Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, Jake. Yes, sir. Did you know it is our anniversary month? How long have we been married? (laughs) No, the show. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I did know The that, show's actually. anniversary. We are turning six years old, and to celebrate that- We're going to first grade. We're <laughs> close. We're giving a discount on our Patreon. If you join the year-long subscription to the Patreon, you can get 15% off during the month of May. You can find out everything about our Patreon at patreon.com slash thecritshow, but all tiers for the month of May are 15% off when you sign up for the annual membership. Is that as exciting as first grade? You know, now that I'm kind of remembering back to first grade, that's far better than first grade. almost like a like an 80s movie that I got a notification from my old high school that some of my credits hadn't gone through. No. Oh no. <laughs> and so I had to go back and take one back high school to class. High school. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst. And the class was like um trying to prep you for your future career and so they were forcing you <laughs> into internships. And so they were like, "Well, you know, you 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 came in last second, so we're just gonna give you what we have left, and it's with this big tech firm. But like, what do they do? They're like, oh, they do like a lot of um, search engines and stuff like that. I was like, I don't. Okay, all right. So I I go, and I'm supposed to be with this person, and I get there, and they're not there because they're like the boss, and they're like, I don't fucking want an intern. And so I get his assistant, and he's like, I'm gonna show you like how the company works, and he takes me down to like the basement level. And there are dozens of interns there and hundreds of racks of clothing. Yes. And all of the interns are going through the clothing and like trying them on. (laughs) And then when they find something that fits well, they go over and there's a person with a camera and they do three poses and they take pictures of the clothing. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And they're like, well, this is how we make our startup money to make new projects is that the interns have a ebay page that they run where they sell all of this used clothing (laughs) so get in there and start trying stuff on (laughs) and so i'm like dream i'm like fucking what and it's like i'm going through looking at stuff looking at clothing and a lot of the racks are like picked over so i find something i put it on take a picture turn take a picture take a picture this bell goes off we all go to lunch and the guy who's in charge of me comes and sits down he's like so what what do you think so far i was like i don't understand what this has to do with anything. He's like, do you want to make it in this business? <laughs> oh and I said, no. I I am, s- look, do you see how old I am? <laughs> They're like, is it weird to you that I'm an intern here? And he's like, listen, with that attitude, you're never going to succeed. Oh my God. <laughs> and then this woman comes in and she marches up to him and she's like, who took this photo? And she throws it on the table and it's me. And she's <laughs> like, this is not one of the approved looks. You have to look, 
despondent, angry, <laughs> and carefree. No, and you weren't given that. Yeah, they're like, no, you can't smile in these photos. It doesn't sell. <laughs> and at this point, I look over at one of the other tables, and Kim is there, and she is staring at me because. The energy she's giving off is, please don't notice me here. <laughs> and like, I turn and I see you there and you just like put your hand up in front of your eyes and continue to eat your lunch. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And you were like, apparently some of my high school credits. Didn't <laughs> and then the next like 20 minutes of the dream were us finding our things like our coats and our like backpacks and shit that we had brought and hiding them in strategic places so we could just leave. But we couldn't, like, leave. You had to, like, work your way up by level, like, doing other jobs. So we had to, like, oh, this is a backpack for sale, and then put it up on the next level. And, oh, here's a, here's this. And moving our personal stuff up item by item until we could then go on break and get dressed and leave. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is, like, corporate maze runner. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so hellish. So that's how I started my new year. <laughs> I'm glad I could be a part of it. <laughs> Dream logic. It makes no sense. But once you understand that it's dream logic, it makes perfect sense. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I'm so on board with everything you're saying. I'm like, yes, of course. Yeah. Of course, that's how it would work <laughs> yeah. in a dream. This is how companies make money. They sell <laughs> secondhand clothing online. Yeah, the, the dream logic thing has really been getting me lately, too, because I watched Glass Onion when it came uh, out. Yeah. And oh, it was amazing. So and I love me a murder mystery. I'll know that. But I've been having murder mystery dreams since then. Ah. Uh. But they're all different, and they're from different perspectives. So sometimes it's like I'm the detective, and I'm there trying to solve the mystery. And sometimes I'm just another person, and I'm worried the entire time that I'm going to get murdered next. Mm. And sometimes it's like I'm one of the people that's trying to set up the mystery. Not like set up the mystery, but hide the crime. Mm. Like I'm the culprit. And sometimes it's from my perspective and sometimes it's like I'm me and sometimes I'm somebody else and sometimes I'm just third person. Like I'm the camera watching it all play out. Oh, uh-huh. And you know when you, you watch like a murder mystery, there'll be clues that you find that don't make any sense in the moment, but eventually it all ties together. But it's dream logic. So just weird shit keeps happening and it doesn't keep pace and it doesn't ever come together and make sense. <laughs> so I kept waking up and just being like... <laughs> I don't fucking know. None of that made any sort of sense. None of it came to a conclusion. It was just confusing the entire time, and I couldn't solve it. Every night, I'm doomed. This is my year. Oh, God. <laughs> part, part of your brain was creating the mystery, and the other part of your brain was like so excited <laughs> about what was going on in the mystery, but that part kept winning, so the part <laughs> that had to make the mystery couldn't do its job right. <laughs> I was trying to create a puzzle and then hide that puzzle from myself. <laughs> And the part those that needed to create the puzzle was like, I need more resources. More. I can't. Give me more. We got some, we need some like, clues. They no, can be red I'm herrings. too excited. <laughs> I, I had a vaguely school-related nightmare recently also where I was living in the dorms still, uh, but the dorm was like a whole-ass apartment. Like, it was big, a big place. But there was an RA who had it out for me. Like, wanted me arrested and killed. Like, hardcore had it out for me. Wow. And I knew that he was like, like making up bullshit. Like he was like stacking charges against me that weren't real. And he hadn't like told me about, but like I knew that he was doing this. And then at some point I was in my room and I had the window open and I heard his voice and I looked outside and he is down on the street below me listing off all of these things that I've supposedly done to like some form of law enforcement, except 
they're going to murder me. And he's just like, yeah, he's done this and he's done this and he's done this and he's done this. And I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here or I'm going to die. And so I start trying to like pack a bag and I'm like, okay, just the things that I need like overnight. Like I don't need, you know, just whatever I need to like survive until tomorrow morning. But like, I can't find two shoes that match (laughs) (laughs) and I can't find my toothbrush because it's not in its holder and all this stuff. And finally, they kick down the door to my room and it's too late. And so I just run. I just bust through the first two and then get to the stairs and there's a bunch of them on the stairs and I just jumped over the fucking banister and fell like three floors and (laughs) hit and like my legs hurt so bad but I couldn't stop and I started running and I'm running outside and I don't I remember that there were obstacles that kept like coming up to interfere the only one specifically I can remember is that at some point there there was a hula hoop (laughs) wrapped behind my neck in front of my shoulders and wrapped around one of my like ankles holding it up towards me. So I'm hopping on one foot and trying to flex the hula hoop around me to get it to break so that I can get loose. And I woke up and I was sweating and my heart was racing and I had to check my pulse and my pulse was racing. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if this is from the stress of people trying to kill me or from having to run so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I miss college. (laughs) Classic. The classic college experience. I got a message the other day from my old game master. No explanation. Simple sentence. Sorry I killed you with a shotgun in my dream. (laughs) And I said, Hmm. what? No response. No response. (laughs) I can't elaborate any further. I don't know what else you want. I said I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, welcome to the new year. Welcome to the new year. (laughs) Starting it off with a bang. Oh. Uh, So, it being the new year, we want to take this opportunity to thank the patrons who joined us in the month of December. Ivan, Dragon and Thistle, Aelin, O'Mara, Dirk, and Kristen Cross. Thank you for joining us this month, and thank you to all of our patrons who join us every month. You can find everything about our Patreon over at patreon.com slash thecritshow. And if you are interested in getting in on the t-shirt tier, this is the month to do it. Uh, this last t-shirt was for Jeff and Eddie's janitorial and repair services, and it had their little truck on the back. It's very cute. Uh, we have decided that for this year, we had such good response to the digital swag that we're going to continue to do that this year. So all swag this year is going to be digital, uh, which means that you will get mysteries and arts, music, all kinds of various things as that cycle comes around. Which is nice because this will open us up to have the opportunity to do more like limited run pre-order physical merchandise as it comes up. So yeah. if you're worried about not getting physical merchandise anymore, this just gives us the opportunity to be a little bit more specific and discretionary about what we want to launch. And that way we don't end up with mysteriously reproducing game mats in Rev's house <laughs> that, he sim- that he simply cannot liquidate. <laughs> we all got a game mat for Christmas. Uh, yeah, I've, I've actually laid out a bunch of them uh, for my new bed. <laughs> I wrapped everybody's Christmas gifts in one. And you probably heard an announcement about this before the episode, uh, but we will mention it here too, that we're actually going to start tracking the number of patrons as well, not just the um, amount that we're bringing in with Patreon, because we realize that we've got things that we want to do, games that we want to play in kind of different formats. So we're also going to just start tracking the number of patrons so that when someone joins, it doesn't matter what level they join in at, they will be adding towards this goal. Uh, And our first one, just for the meme, 
is going to be 420. It's our first goal. (laughs) And when we hit that number, uh, we are going to release a recording of Jake running us through a game of Devil Aim for Me. Our idea is that these are all things that we are going to make in advance and just have them in the vault. And when we hit a number... We'll release them, uh, but we have all kinds of things in mind. Alice is missing, Threadbare, Trophy, Brindlewood Bay. So, yeah, we just wanted the opportunity to release some of the things that have just kind of got got us itching to, to play. That was kind of a sentence. Sexy. Yeah, and so we thought it'd be a, a good way to do that and to uh, welcome in new patrons. So, yeah, 4, 420. I hope we blaze towards that goal. Uh, right. If for some reason we do hit that goal super fast. This is a brand new idea as of like now. Yeah. (laughs) So this isn't actually done yet at the time of recording. We're hoping that there's a little. A a window. A a little bit of a window. We have it scheduled to record. Yeah. Tell your 40 friends to give us all $1. (laughs) Um, And yeah, and I will specify that what we'll do is we'll check that kind of at the beginning of the month when uh, all of our patronage rolls over uh, we'll check the number at the beginning of the month and if we've hit that number we will release a piece of that content and then we'll be able to just like announce the next one yeah once we hit this number now we'll release another thing cool yeah so with that uh, enjoy the Starhold Q&A and also be aware be forewarned there's a bunch of outtakes at the end oh, from all yay! of our time in Starhold yes so enjoy well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Starhold Q&A. We've got your cues. We're going to A them. Yeah, we are. Woo! going to explain to you how to hold the power of the sun in the palm of your hand. <laughs> Listen to me now. <laughs> Listen to me. I just saw the clip again the other day where Willem Dafoe was doing that scene. Have yes. you seen that? And Alfred Molina did not know. Yeah. God. Boy, I need to watch. Anyway. Um, all right. So first question before I start. Just going down a, a Spider-Man. Spider-Man? Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> Robert, Robert Spider-Man. We'll do that after, though, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, first question. How do you handle the logistics of the cloned characters? How much did the players know about which of them were clones and which weren't prior to the moments where the truth is revealed? Oh, boy. So there's a lot of clone questions in this. Buckle up. Um, but this first one is easy. With the exception of one time, the players did not know whether they were clones or real. I always wanted them to assume that they were real. And the only time that someone knew, and actually the, the whole table ended up knowing, uh, was because I did a reveal at the end of the episode that they came around a corner and Tass was there. And in character, Tass said, oh my God, there's a prison here. I've been locked up for hours. And I leaned over and I went, you don't know that. <laughs> and so that was the one time that Tass and everyone else going into the next episode out of character knew um, that he was indeed a clone. Uh, but other than that... Everyone, I think, assumed whenever I revealed them that they were them. I feel like the the sort of like initial clones, the initial Jake clone and the initial what we thought was the task clone, even though both <laughs> of them were clones. But like the the appearances of those two characters, because Jake and I stayed behind in that first little chunk and we were together the whole time. And then like and then like Megan met a Jake. And so like. The, those first two instances of clones, I think we all kind of knew like these are clones. But then, and <laughs> yeah. but then, pretty much every moment since then was like we have no idea what's going yeah. on. Once, once we thought we had dealt with the clone problem, yes, yeah, everything <laughs> after that was a shocker. Yeah, especially when it got to the point of 
we all at the table thought we were the originals. And then it was revealed that like Tass was yet another clone and we had no way to know that. Yeah. It was suddenly like, just doesn't matter. You could be anything. If you've ever stepped in a room alone, you could possibly be a clone right now. And the tension between everybody, like the next couple times we played of, I'm going to touch this other person <laughs> was so heavy in the air. It was so good. I can't believe that it worked out storyline wise because like obviously we we had no idea who was and was not a clone but just like that it worked out that Tass was the one to high five Megington or that it worked out that Jake was the last one to touch clone Tass and just I can't believe that happened (laughs) Uh, on that note can you talk about how you all worked through the clone situation (laughs) oh boy Um, I mean honestly it was just a matter like Rev kind of said this that like it was just a matter of us playing it like we were us. Like, we, you know, we had no doubt that we were us. Even when we weren't us, the clones thought they were us. So we just really have kind of approached it with that in mind and then just had to hop back and forth a little bit. Like, literally, it, in recording, we would just talk to ourselves in real yeah. time. And There was uh, a little bit of um, keeping each other honest about what we each did and didn't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes there would be a pause and someone like Jake would be like, wait, do I know this? And we'd kind of go back, have that conversation again, or Kim would go back and look at the transcript and be like, okay, no, you know this. Okay, great. Yeah, there was definitely a point after we had one of the Jakes that was in the library who we knew was a clone. And so we knew when he got scanned and duplicated. And at some point it had to be like, wait a minute, he doesn't know anything that has happened after that. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, that was even a question that we had to do in terms of, like, did Kim Prime and Jake Prime even know how the quarantine chamber worked? Yeah. Uh, We had to go back in and and do a, like, pickup in order to ask those questions because the first pass, I just went in and was like, oh, yeah, we're going to vote to uh, inoculate Megington and then we're going to vote to end the experiment. And then it's like, wait, we wouldn't know this. We didn't have to do this. Yeah, also when... (laughs) When Megan and Kim went back to the ship and like Kim was like, oh, we have to we could vote to end it or something. And I had to be like, I don't know what that means because I had never actually experienced that. It was just clone me and then her and Jake. Yeah, it was really nice too when I was my true self at, you know, eventually (laughs) that. The burden of needing to know what was going on was was just not on me. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) It's a new burden then of how do I rationalize? How do I reason the fact that this me would not be just panicking outright? (laughs) I was trying I was trying to like find the balance. Like I was like, man, you know, we've dealt with so much weird stuff. I feel like it's reasonable that I could be presented with this information and if it's definitive enough, be like, fuck me, okay, I guess. I'm just gonna roll with this now. Yeah, when when I had to do the Megington side of the conversation after like the Megan side woke up and then, you know, you guys were like, look at yourself. <laughs> and Rev was like, what would you what would you need to feel comforted in this moment? And I was like, boy, I sure can't think of anything that would make me not feel <laughs> yeah. complete terror through all of this. I also had a moment where I had to like take a step back a little bit because like playing off of what Jake said, like we've seen so much weird stuff that we can kind of go with the flow to a level. I feel like there was a level t- to me where if I saw a clone, I'd be like, okay, this is clearly a defense mechanism. I need to shoot this and move on. Yeah. But with the truth of what's going on, 
then so would my clone. And so every interaction would just be pew, 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 you know, just instant. And that just wouldn't have really been compelling. And I, I think it really helped that a few of those moments others were around mm. for me to be able to go, hold on, somebody explain this to me. Um, so that helped. Uh, I have a clone question, actually, before we move on to something else, something that I've been wondering. So we had the initial clones from the Halloween episode. Mm. Um, when Tass went into the little cubby, he cloned himself. Yeah. And then also the magical library also cloned. Was that the result of a hard move? Because we did a survey the scene in the magical library. We failed it. Yeah. But then we still got a ton of information anyway. <laughs> and so then did the magical library turn into a cloning facility as a result of that fail? So yes and no. Um, I always knew that there were two places inside this station that would clone people. Um, and that was something that I knew back like when Megan first used the computer down on the planet and it took her genetic signature when she uh -huh. had to give blood to the computer like anytime i was collecting dna from you guys it was because that facility was making clones and so i had decided that okay yeah this one solo rotating room um whoever steps into it the bottom drops out a clone drops in from the top and it's now set it's primed every time that comes around if that clone is dead a new one pops out and so it was kind of a hard move. I knew there was one other room. I didn't. I just hadn't decided which. Kind of by powered by the apocalypse ideas. Um, and so when Jake was left alone in that room, I was like, okay, I think it's this room then. And there was a. Uh, it turned into a room that um, basically just went up and down. And when it would do that, if the clone was dead, it would generate a new clone. Gotcha. Nice. Uh, you mentioned on Twitch that you edited Starhold differently than other parts of Coin. Can you expand on that? The tone of Starhold is. Is, it's fun. I like the tone of this game. It's It has that suspense element. I think I have more outtakes for this short section because listening through, I had to be real honest with myself with the idea of, okay, this this joke was funny. Is it funny enough to break the tension of what has of what they're dealing with? Um, and so I, I created more outtakes, I think, until you get to episode 20. And episode 20 became became kind of the vaudeville episode where I kept in everything because that's the thing with suspense and tension you can't keep it up you've got to let it out again if you're going to build it back up and i knew that dealing ultimately with allison was going to be another big tension moment so i let episode 20 kind of be this almost slapsticky thing of all the jakes and all the tasses <laughs> and them finding each other and um, going back to the ship and the passwords um so yeah that was all much more kind of um conducted i guess as i was listening to it um than i normally do usually i will i will keep most of the jokes in but i wanted this to not lose those elements of suspense when choosing to play starhold how did you choose to translate everyone and their gear into the new world man that was real easy i let grandpa tincher build a device that made it like a video game select screen so they could just because <laughs> that was the hard part about previous seasons was we would sit around and brainstorm okay how do you translate into this world yeah so this one was just, what do you want to play? Because you, like with Gozer, you get to choose the form now. And this was a little easier for, I think, all of us. We just wanted to play something different than the last time we played. Yeah. Yeah, so what was what did we have the last time we played? We had the leader. You played the stowaway, Megan. Yep. And then we had the almost human for you, Tess, or something. Yeah, he was, he was a not human, and yeah. I was... Uh... 
weapon master, I think. Oh yeah, you were you were you were the weapon specialist. So like that that was really the only thing that we were focusing on was just like let's not pick exactly those things again. Tass looks super wealthy right now. <laughs> because like that que- Kim asked that question, like, what is Tass? And and Tass just kind of turned a little bit to Jake and Jake answered. And then Tass just kind of s- just pointed his thumb a bit and nodded and never opened his mouth. He's like I have people who do my speaking. Yeah, for me. has people who answer questions. Yeah, I'm for sorry, especially Kim. since he's wearing sunglasses and like, <laughs> like a collared shirt, <laughs> a collared shirt, and he's just like has a little like fidget toy that he's yeah. just like just carelessly playing with in one hand. <laughs> it's a bag of money. <laughs> uh, go on, Kim. <laughs> um, I I mean I when I was looking at playbooks because th- this was the first time that like my character on the show went to a different world i mean i guess i started in a different one but this was the first sort of like portal that i went through with the group and so i still tried to abide by that philosophy of like all right what would i be in this world and i i liked hanging on to the idea of like well the last time that i went through one of these my whole world got destroyed and my entire future got erased. So it would make sense that I was like the last surviving member of my planet. If I'm translating planet to like my future. Yeah. And we had that conversation too of like, okay, his machine lets us choose. Like it is fully up to us. Yeah. But if I was feeling this way, could it choose for me? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That hers just kind of went default yeah. based mm-hmm. off of what she was feeling in the moment. Yeah. Like I, I still didn't really character select on this one either. Like I was still like looking for a like, well, what would still kind of make sense? Yeah. Like not directly, but I was like, oh, I'm going to do like the scientist because science and magic and, you know, Thor says that it's just things you don't understand. Yeah. Yet. Whatever. I was like, oh, there's a connection there. So I'm going to go with that one. It's not necessarily that I would want to be the scientist. Uh, Jake, the character would want to be a scientist. Absolutely not. <laughs> Jake, the character wanted to be the pilot. Yeah. But it's like, ah, oh, this would make more sense. Yeah, mine was definitely more of the same kind of Ghostbusters, like what is the first thing that pops into your head? And it was kind of an amalgamation of all the different media that I would think of if I knew I was going to go to space in that moment. Mm. Yeah. And then the gear stuff was just, I mean, we, we were somewhat limited in our gear options in terms of looking at what our stats said we could physically carry. But then it was just a matter of like looking at like, what do we have on our person and what would make sense? Like I have a bag of coins that could be a bag of smoke bombs. Yeah. I have like I have a silver chain around my waist that could be a garrote, stuff like that. Yeah, I think I just picked most of my gear based on like moves from my monster of the week playbook. It just seemed to make sense coming into this playbook that like I have invincible, so I have this, you know, energy armor. Like I, I essentially just felt like I need to build Doom Guy. Yeah, and I just wanted to have Gadget's giant wrench. <laughs> <laughs> we, we flavored that specifically. I think it was supposed yes. to be a baton or something. Yeah. <laughs> How was planning a crisis different than planning a mystery? So once you get past the map, you know, that obviously is different in a very cool mechanic in this game that you've got the location and everybody adds to it. The crisis itself, um, like in Monster of the Week, you have your creature or you have your phenomenon and then you make your countdown clock of like what goes wrong. For me, for Starhold, I had the thing, the the whatever the problem is, and I didn't create anything after that. It was all it reacting to the players. So it was a little more chaotic, and it required a little more 
decision in the moment than what a mystery does, in my opinion. You all playing through it, did it feel different? It did feel different in that I think the fear from this style of game, and especially with how you built it, comes from that element of like, it isn't built like a mystery in Monster of the Week. It isn't find the thing that kills the thing and then figure out a way to utilize it. It's just oh no, something horrifying is here, mm. good luck. Survive the thing. Exactly. And that, yeah, it's just, there's always tension. There's always tension. And so that's just, just really nice. Um, the game is built very well for real horror. I think specifically too, that idea of taking stress and needing to take a moment. And when you're in a crisis where there's you know something pursuing you or danger in every situation, finding those moments of like solace where you can kind of take a breath and take a breather and heal yourself is a good environment and a good mm. atmosphere to kind of feel that tension. Yeah, because you see those moments in the movies as well. Like this game really emulates the movies that it is doing an homage to very well. Yeah. Uh, how did you create the maps you used in the game? This is, uh, I use graph paper still. Like, I'll just sit down and start scribbling shapes and connecting them and then writing names on them. The map for the rotating room, uh, I actually cut out the three rotating pieces and had them in front of me behind uh, my little GM screen before they understood what was going on, and then I laid it out on the table so everybody could see it. Um, but yeah, I, st I still just use graph paper. And, um, you know, the first part, obviously, was the choices that they all made, um, and then I tried to include those choices that they made in each location that they went to still. so It's kind of nice, too, that just by nature of the story we're telling, uh, you know, a map in subcapacity is going to have to pop up because we're dealing with these circles and where they're located and how to locate them and so on and so forth. And so the mechanic of the game being to build this map is that that's just that's a nice. Yeah, and I, I like a good map. You know, Monster yeah. of the Week, you have your locations but you just kind of generate what's in it based off of what is needed. I liked having a map like, hey, this is this is it, because there's something to that, too, of like, we need to get away. Here are the only places we have to go. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the games that we play are much more theater of the mind in terms of just like this is a location that you're in or this is yeah. the kind of general setting. And um, playing in Starhold, playing with something that was a set map, but initially in all of the locations, a set map that we, the players, didn't really get to see was very hard for me because I, I personally, um, I have, what I say, I have no mind's eye. It's very hard for me to hear information like you verbally telling me the layout of a location and I'll hear it and then I just won't remember it because I can't hold that picture mm. in my head and so I got so confused at so many points in this mystery of being like yeah so you come to this hallway and it forks into here and on your left you see this room and on your right you see this room and then you know there'll be some conversation I'll come back and be like all right Kim so like what are you gonna do and I'll be like I don't remember my options because I can't hold that information in my head so once we got the map it was so vital to me me to be able to physically see something in front of me because it was really hard when we were playing with maps to be able to like keep that information like to sort of build that map in my imagination was something that I couldn't do it, it's funny we were talking about that a little recording tides the other day that like describing hallways and how they work 
is one of the most yeah. irritating so things. Um, and it's it's bizarre if you can't see the map. Like if you have a map made, but no one else is looking at it and you're describing it, it is somehow more confusing. It's like the worst game of Pictionaries yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it's very just like, oh, yeah, you, you know, left, right, and then here, and then up there. And people are like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? Um, whereas uh, it's with some other games, if you're just like, yeah, you know, you go deeper into the building. Yeah. And then <laughs> I think that in this game, in these three crises, we shared more photos in <laughs> yeah. the cast discord than ever because it was just me sending photos to everybody of the map that they had uncovered. Oh, the map photos. Wink. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to, you know, you saying it adding to that tension because it's like there is a set map, so you only have these places to escape to. I think another layer on that that added a lot of tension and was really interesting was a the distance between places so knowing like oh if you want to go to this other location it's going to take you two to three hours to walk there so leveraging in how much time do we have to our decision making was another layer of stress Um, but also up on the space station the mechanics of the rotating rooms in that idea of where can we go to be safe how does this how does this work if we're on one side of the room or the other? Where is the button that actually activates the rotation? Um, and then also utilizing that sometimes in, you know, like the moment where one of the Tass and Jake's globbed together and it was like, well, I'm forcing them back into that yeah. thing so they get squished because the room will move. It was really cool. So uh, what was the scariest or creepiest part for you? Ooh, For me, I think... I think the original Dion stuff just especially like leading up to that climax of the fight with him when the automatons are still kind of moving around and they're a threat and it's dark and this horrific version of Dion is skittering around and um, you know we had been separated and just finally trying to come back together in the middle of this fight like it was all just scary and tense and it really set the tone for the rest of Starhold in that, like, hey, hey, we're in danger, like, for real. Um, Yeah, that's what sticks out to me. I had two parts that really, I think, hit me really well were uh, when the silver blob monster fell on Jake. Mm. Right after we had seen what it did to that captain, like, was straight up just, like, compressing his lungs to, like, be a puppet and talking to, like, Riley and having the description of, like, yeah, it gets inside you and it just eats all organic matter and like knowing that there's a way for us to 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 do this because it's a game yeah but like suddenly having this fear of like jake's gonna die (laughs) and we don't know how to actually like affect this thing um that i definitely needed to take a step back and be like okay wait let me let me i'm not actually there i can take a second to breathe but yeah having that tension um and the other one was when we learned that there was a timer on allison's room opening that that and knowing that literally you set a timer on your phone and I couldn't see it but I could I could see you hitting start and like putting your phone aside and being like okay oh my gosh we're gonna run out of time (laughs) um for me the scariest slash creepiest moment I mean it it has to be 
crawling through the vents while a scorpion Dion was pursuing me in the vents and me trying to like undo that vent, run over to another one, open the other one. Like there was so much of like a time crunch and that, and that was so early in this world where I was like, I am in lethal danger Mm -hmm. right now. I am all by myself. I'm crawling through a vent. I'm being pursued by a horrible monster. It really did feel like I was in like an episode of alien. (laughs) I am going to second the the silver blob part, but not specifically it falling on me, just the getting down there and the realization of what was happening. Yeah. Like seeing the threads and the body and hearing it make noise and like just the dawning, like, oh my oh no, we've been baited was terrifying. Uh is there anything in Starhold you wanted to explore but didn't get a chance to? Thinking mechanics, but could be plot related too. So other than in the first crisis where we were struggling with low oxygen, scarcity never really came that much into play in the other crises, just because the results that we rolled when we rolled for scarcity weren't that relevant, really. And it would have been nice to be able to play with that a little more. Yeah. And you also had instances where the scarcity that you rolled didn't make sense for them to actually be scarce because you had picked rooms on the ship that contained those things yeah exactly and so it seemed i couldn't justify being like well well medical supplies are um are scarce so jake the move that you took that gave you this it's just not working right now it's like eh. yeah yeah i think that's part of the gamble of picking rooms because you only get to pick so many rooms that are for sure there and then you don't know what the scarcity is going to be when you roll it so it's kind of like this what do we not want to take the chance on losing uh, for me, it would have been finding out more about Allison. We didn't really get a chance to talk to her just yeah. because it was too dangerous to take that chance. We did the research we could, but it felt like there was definitely stuff there we could have learned that maybe we weren't able to. Yeah, I think that's mine too. Like I, I, mean, I think me maybe mentioned this at the end of like the end of session questions. Um, but at one point there was a plan to take Jake's spacesuit and amp it up with science so that. Megan could go in and talk to Allison and like see the room for herself and get a feeling from her and like try to talk to her, which would have been cool. You could have learned a lot. But I remember that we paused the recording and Megan left the room and I think it was just me, Jake. And I went, I think somebody's going to die because <laughs> <laughs> like that's a situation where if it had gone bad, wow, it could have gone bad. Yeah. Um. Did any of us hit like max out our stress track? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Which is wild to me. Yeah. We were taking stress left and right. Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. Like, I wanted to see the results of maxing out the stress track. Yeah. And we we just never got there. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because these mysteries or these crises were maybe a little shorter than intended or if I wasn't handing it out enough, but you were all taking it voluntarily and i was definitely (laughs) giving it out during fights so i feel like we were giving it out enough but yeah it's odd that we never hit that without my move that would negate some in a fight i almost certainly that's true yeah a couple of you had moves that negated stress taken i just didn't do anything so (laughs) megan did nothing stressful the whole time it's not like you flew out an airlock or anything what were everyone's favorite moves Survey, Survey the scene. The scene. Our, fa- our favorite one. <laughs> we all have it memorized by heart. We do. Uh, have fun. That's an order. Helped me out a ton. Um, I almost certainly would have maxed out my stress without it. So, I mean, I don't know the most fun per se, but like there is this level of feeling good using that, though, 
and, you know, I'm trying to look at the bright side of things. I'm trying to be a more positive person in general. And there is just something inherent about, hey, you're doing a really good job in this fight. So it's not as stressful as it would be. Mm. That kind of appeals to me. Uh, I think my favorite has to be whack it. <laughs> uh, I love that idea of like, I failed this thing and then I hit it with my big wrench and it's magically fixed. Uh, and if I fail the roll, I'd hit it really wrong and things go really, really bad. <laughs> Just like knocking the side of the TV to get the <laughs> yes the picture to clear up. Oh, yeah. You're like the Fonzie of the space world. That's why I'm so cool and nothing stresses me out, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't think of a specific playbook move that really um, that I liked more than my other ones. I just liked the whole kit in general that um, something that I liked about the survivor is that true to its name, I was so good at staying up even in situations where it felt like I shouldn't have been able to. The fact that I was constantly able to roll to like negate harm that I started with like a pretty good heart shield. Yeah. Like I was I was really good at just weathering any situation we were in no matter how dire. I always yeah. felt pretty okay. My favorite just general move, I mean the the aid another player move in this game was so clutch. The fact that you could, on a full success, have someone re-roll. And also, even on a mixed success, it was never to the detriment of the person who was helping out. was uh, new territory for us in Monster of the Week, where you're always helping out, but at the risk of putting yourself in danger. Yeah. And the lending to the tension of this game that even a full success could... <laughs> Should change nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah. like three three times I tried to help out people. I rolled a full success and then the re-roll was still a fail. Yeah. <laughs> we do have a question about that. So we can kind of talk about that now as everybody's thinking about their favorite moves. But the idea that on a mixed success, you take a plus one. On a full success, you re-roll your lowest die. So if you were sitting at a six, you had rolled a four and a two. Oh, yeah, you you could be better off with a mixed success. Yes, I understand. And so that was, I thought, very cool in that it added to that stress again. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite moves from your playbook, Kim, when I played the stowaway was the being able to use the keepsake to kind of yeah. take some of that off of you because you just kind of have this thing that is important to you and you like bond with that. It's just really great. I, I picked two moves from my playbook that I really loved, and I mean, I do really love, but I just couldn't convince myself to use them at any point, because one of them is a once-per-crisis move, and I'm all I'm the worst about that. I'm mm. the person who ends a game with 300 health potions because yeah. I was afraid to use them. And then the other one is when you're stuck on a problem you can't solve, and I kept going... I don't know if we can't solve this. I don't I think I can fairly this. use really? this. Yet. Yes, exactly. So this is a question for Rev. Rev, what playbook would you pick if you could be a player? I think the augmented. I like, like, that is kind of the closest thing in this game that you can have to magic. You know, this this telekinetic, telepathic element to characters. I will say that's one of the kind of few areas that we didn't really delve too much into because no one had picked a playbook that incorporated that but that stuff was out there and was affecting all of you like I, I imagine how much different Carrington's interaction with you all would have been if you had had someone that had a little bit of that spark of their own um, because and we've talked about this before but Carrington's character was made before you all made your characters because that was part of the uh, one of our donation things when we did our um, our bake sale that was cool though to have like 
Mari have that ability and have, you know, coin Megan come in and be like, oh, I'm a telepath too. Well, I'm not right now. Like, yeah. normally I am. And being able to have that kind of like connection to someone, even though it's not like currently applicable, was nice. Yeah, this was like the most mundane that this party has ever been. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what other horror or sci-fi trope scenarios would you like to experience in a game sometime that weren't in this one? I'm going to go sci-fi trope. Um, I want like a, a Starship Troopers-esque battle, like just fucking overwhelming odds, and but you're good enough to to fight and like escape and get out. That's a good one. They're making that video game. I saw that. Yeah. Ugh. Sci-fi is not really like a big genre for me. I don't mind it, but I'm not like really well versed in it. But I would say something like higher stakes in the sense of like body snatching. Mm. So like kind of having that idea of like clones, but it being like any one of us kind of kind of the thing vibes of like any one of us could be taken at any moment, but none of the rest of us know it. Almost social deception, a little bit with like infected, where we were all like trying to convince each other that we weren't infected, even though we knew we were. Yeah. That's fair because even when we were clones, like the clones were still us prior to becoming the huddle. Like they still had our personalities, our goals, our morality. And it would have been interesting to deal with like, we're not sure who is who. And also there's a possibility that like one of these Jakes may be trying to sabotage us oh, in some yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. That the clones had ill intent. Yeah. Yeah. I have never read something on the Discord and considered stealing it for as long of a period as when someone in the Discord posted I don't think Tass has been the real Tass since he was put inside the body bag by Dion. Oh. And I sat there for a good 15 minutes and I went, boy, that all tracks. I could make that happen. <laughs> but that is not my original idea. I should not do it. But damn, that's good. That is solid. <laughs> Most of my sci-fi exposure is not like sci-fi horror. It's like action sci-fi. So I want a ring world. Mm, I want yeah. us to do something. I want to nice. be on a ring world. Um, I always lean towards like cheesy sci-fi horror the the movies that are near and dear to my heart are just the absolute schlock that is critters and mm -hmm. um gremlins and stuff like that where there's something that is very clearly horrifically dangerous but also ridiculous um so yeah i always like seeing that pop up um what would have happened if uh, clone tass had destroyed the cocoon and megington hadn't come out would Tass Classic have been trapped forever? <laughs> Tass Classic! Tass, oh original it's flavor. Just, just a, tass tall, a tall glass of Tass Classic. Uh, <laughs> tass, original recipe. <laughs> Seven herbs and spices. <laughs> I don't think that, because uh, Tass escaping, like he, he had made that role. He was going to get out eventually. But I think that if they had not discovered through Tass clone high-fiving Megington that they could continue to meld and that there was another clone task that there could have been a very 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 late realization that oh we don't have the real task with us and after some technology we also don't have the real jake with us where are they so yeah, that might have been like a last second the the timer is going down the bomb is set we have to find the real boys yeah because sh surely even if if we had destroyed the if we had destroyed meggington before she hatched for lack of a better term as we um, are want to do yes uh i have to imagine that clone tass and clone jake would have been found out because like we were hurt 
constantly in that adventure and there would have been occasion for the two of them to touch like assisting healing up in the med bay or doing something that like we would have made that discovery although there there was a there was an occurrence to me of like what if like we were fleeing this situation and we were driving we were piloting the ship out and then Jake and Tass just just melt <laughs> dissolved like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Megan and I had this horrifying moment of where did the real boys go as we blew up the space station? <laughs> I mean, we came real close to that at the end. We did. Like, with Kim and me on the ship and, you know, having that question of like, do we stay here and work on this? Do we split up? And it was like, we've got to find them. And I loved the the moment where in my head I was like, you know, I can hear tasks in my head being like, finish the mission. But I can also hear him being like, don't fucking leave Please me don't here. leave me to die. <laughs> can you imagine... Megington gets killed. You all go back to the ship to heal. Clone Jake tries to heal Clone Tass, and all of a sudden you've got one of the huddles in inside ship. Your in ship. the ship wrecking Terrible. house. Just, just hit the autopilot, <laughs> jump out, send them off into space. <laughs> well, goodbye. We'll I'll blow up here, way. I guess. But That's what goes through the portal. <laughs> <laughs> that was also something that I wondered about. I was like, man, surely like they didn't like clone our ship, but I was like, what if like somehow th- the clones get through first? I-, I, at the time, didn't know that they just turn into soup if they cross a certain barrier <laughs> but that was very funny to me that like if we if we went through the portal and like and like Rev and Ori were like wait and we're, and we're just looking at like our own doppelgangers I had a lot of like internal questions about like are we going to take them back with us because we had that discussion at you know at the table of like these are clones yes but they are also real they they have thoughts and feelings they are sentient we have to take them back like they're just part of our team now and then that thought of like what happens when we get back are they going to have our abilities like we're going to have to set them up with identities yeah. that aren't ours it's be a real ben riley situation <laughs> or we set them up with identities that are ours we don't have to go to work anymore nice. <laughs> the like ethics and ramifications of dealing with clones was far and away the most horrifying part of yeah. this yeah. of this arc for me like and and tass just gunning one of his down <laughs> Is has done permanent damage between us. <laughs> like I can't imagine a reality where it hasn't. Where I'm yeah. not like there is. There's got to be something broken between us because I can't. The whole time I was like, they're like they're fucking people. Like this, they're. I mean, they're they were made, but like they're people and they clearly think and they feel and whatever. And then he's just like blast it. And I was like, he murdered someone like in cold blood. I know it's a uh, him that just was just born, but like. <laughs> That was a murder. I don't know if I'm thinking this right. At that point, did that task know that clones dissolved? Yes. Because I feel like that's the point where I was like, you're like, I I gun him down. And I was like, shit. And I was like, yeah, he knows what's going to happen to him otherwise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have done it without that. Because we just discovered <laughs> that they turned to soup and that they can't come back. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the earlier question of like, what was like the scariest, most stressful moment? Like, for me as the player, it was in the vents with Dion. Like, for me as a character, like, absolutely just watching all of my friends die a dozen yeah. times in this space station has probably permanently fucked me up. <laughs> that one of the last things we saw was the villain with both of our lifeless bodies in hand floating out into space. <laughs> like, yeah, there will be psychological consequences to this. <laughs> I'm fine. 
I got lucky for the most part. I was just in a computer room. <laughs> I got, I I got really lucky much. that like I never really had to deal with like the ramifications of my clone. No, you um, saw your legs and I saw half of myself asleep and that was it. <laughs> my, yeah. my clone died so early. Uh, okay. What was Dion's deal? <laughs> Why? We would all like to know. I wrote there's, this one. There's so much to this. Why did he freak when Tass started to ask about robots? Dion wasn't exactly being subtle with his slow transformation later. And what would have happened if Tass hadn't backtracked on the robot conversation? And then separate clause, Dion's mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> so what was Dion's deal? He was sadistic. I think that no sums shit. it up. Like, why uh, did he freak out when Tass started to ask about the robots? Why did he not acknowledge his slow transformation? It was all because he knew you weren't supposed to be there. And he wanted to see if you would acknowledge the weird fucked up shit he was doing or if you were just going to act like it was normal. And so as long as you kept acting like it was normal, he was like, I'm just going to keep pushing this because it's funny for me. They think I'm a robot. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so to me, that really leaned into that first moment of sci-fi horror is something that is wrong, that shows you that. it, And it's just like, are you going to comment on this? No? Great. <laughs> that is play he was playing a mind game to see who would blink first. I'm um, still absolutely furious that when Tass was passed out in the elevator and we were like, Tass is passed out, and Dion's like, Well, we could take him to the med bay uh, that we have here on High Journeys. And we're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We all collectively forgot that we had a med bay on our goddamn ship <laughs> that we could have taken him back to. Yeah, as for his mechanics. You know, he had the barbs in his tail that could control all of the androids. Um, and that's why they all were acting strange. They started acting weird. They would freeze. They would all look a place when Dion was kind of activating that when he was like. So in that moment, he was preparing them to jump all of you. So if Tass hadn't backed off of that, those robots would have swarmed and he would have been like, oh, my gosh, they're all defective. We should destroy them together. Yeah. Nice. Dion was was fun in a way because it was just like. What could I do here that would be unsettling? Yeah. Because he thinks it's funny. Gleeful evil is always the creepiest thing to yeah. me. So I know all the clones were infected. What difference would it have made if some of them hadn't been once the quarantine was lifted and they were out in the Nash complex? Yeah, so if that role had not turned out that everybody was infected, if it was only a couple of people and you all let each other out, um, I would have made a custom move that you would have to roll Every time you wanted to do something to not kind of do the opposite. And it would have been what you all talked about earlier of sabotaging the party. Um, it would have been that kind of body snatcher thing of I'm infected and I'm starting to do things to ensure that these people die or I infect them and I get out of here safely. So it would have just been a couple of custom moves that, that were made. Rev, how did it feel to carefully listen to the players every move to see if they touched? Erotic. <laughs> Next question. Next question. <laughs> Asked and answered. <laughs> oh, genuinely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I... <laughs> no, I love it. I thought, I thought you were going to come back and give a more comprehensive answer, no, but no, please I'd don't. Say, yeah. <laughs> uh, how did you track who was a clone and who wasn't and where each person was at all times? I had two little pieces of paper that I moved around on the map, um, and up to a certain point, I had decided that just to make it easier on myself, the clones couldn't move the circles, and then once they got to a certain point in the story, I was like, okay, now the clones can move, and that allowed the clones to then 
be in hallways when you all came around the corner. I was like, oh, hey, another Tass. Oh, hey, another Jake. Nice. Uh, I had a question. The, the initial like quintet, the initial quintet of clones, yeah. how did you decide what they were up to prior to us meeting them? Um, so I just decided like, okay, you guys are in this scenario and you don't understand how the rooms work, how they rotate. Who's the first person that Tass, Tass goes through? <laughs> Who decides to go, Jake decides to go after them? Then the other three decide we're not splitting up. Um, and so it would kind of was that simple that it just seemed yeah. like th- that Megan and Kim and Carrington would be like, well, we're not going to split up. This is a, this is a problem. And then they started coming up with the alternate ways of like, well, what if we find a way through here? Not knowing that, oh, the rooms rotate randomly as well. Like that only came up a handful of times, uh, but that's what got <laughs> that's what got Kim and what made the huddle. R.I.P. So where did the initial idea for the clones come up? Honestly, I think it was the sprawl. Mm. I wanted to, you know, in the sprawl, we dealt with clones, but it was like, hey, these are empty clones and we're just putting ourselves into them. Well, let's see the other side of that now. What yes. happens when there are clones who are out in the world trying to do stuff? Um, and I think, and I just like that as a sci-fi trope. Uh, yeah. But I thought it was a kind of a fun callback to a world we didn't spend a ton of time in. Nice. So just to step back looking at this facility Mm -hmm. you already knew that there were going to be the clones you know we're getting the dna there are these rooms that were going to be the trap rooms for it yeah so then just the luck of the die roll with the special is what made the initial four also be there is that right yes so when it turned out that all four of you were infected and you all just let each other out i thought this could get ugly and not a fun way as you were all trying to, like, <laughs> deal with this infection and, like, turning on each other. Yeah. And I thought it was just such a fun last image of you all coming out. And I knew that cloning room was there. And so just paint that final image in the Halloween special of the four of you walk out, you know, happy with your success. And in the background, we see the ship approaching with all of you in it. I, it just seemed like more fun. I Yeah. <laughs> I, and it was kind of chaotic, so. In such a great way, I think that made everything a little more like chaotic scary yeah because like with just the trap rooms alone that would have obviously caused some confusion and chaos but that there were so many right out the gate i think really helped that wtf mate feel of that whole encounter um and it was i've talked about this a little bit off mic that this halloween episode was kind of a a slow burn like the other Halloween episodes have have been really like oh here is the full meal I hope you enjoyed goodbye and this one was really just setting the table for what the ramifications of the Halloween story would actually be which was the entirety of this arc yeah mm-hmm. um, so it was it was a much slower burn on the Halloween episode which was different and kind of stressful for me as a producer because I was like <laughs> oh no nobody's talking about the Halloween episode but I had to like keep reminding myself that, well, they haven't seen the payoff yet. And the amount of people talking about the clone stuff is has calmed me now. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who played Starhold in the one shot, how was it playing the system a second time? Did the way you played the game change? Uh, I mean, playing a second time was awesome. This game is so good. It's so well put together and the moves are interesting. The way it all works is so interesting. Um, So it was a blast to get to do it again. Um, As far as playing it differently, I mean, yeah, but only insofar as playing a different character is concerned, I think. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think 
you can play even the same scenario with a different character and it's going to turn out very differently. Um, so at least as far as my perspective on that, I, I feel like that's the only big change aside from, of course, GM styles and things like that are going to switch out. But like the vibe of this game is so inherent to the game that it's, uh, yeah, it's just a, a good spooky sci-fi experience. Yeah, definitely playing it the first time, playing a child character was very different um, just based on the interactions with the world. And also, I think we joked about this during the game, but I definitely had more of that, like, let me see what you have. A knife. No. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm just this little kid running around like with my knife and crawling, you know, around and and crawling into cabinets and stuff to hide and relying on, you know, a grown up to help me through difficult situations. No, now that I say that, it was basically the same <laughs> as playing, <laughs> playing myself. I just ran around with my bow gun and relied on other people to help me out. <laughs> I loved both times that I got to play Starhold. I thought that our first Let's Play with Rem was so fun. And the first time that I've ever felt like really stressed in, in, in like a fun way by a TTRPG, that was never like an experience that I'd had playing a game. Um, and it was... The same thing when I got to play it uh, here on the main show. Mechanically, the only thing that I will say is different is that when you're doing a a Let's Play, like what we did the first time, we just wanted to make sure that we hit every aspect of the game. And so there was a little bit of taking a look at all of the moves, at all of the features of the game, and kind of, to a certain extent, checking them off to make sure, like, all right, we had one instance of using this move. We had one instance of using this move. We made sure that we touched upon this theme of the show because we were trying to make an accurate representation of that game. We wanted to make sure that we touched all of the touchstones of that game. And obviously that's something that we try to do on the main show, but it was something that we very much made a point to touch upon when we did the Let's Play. Yeah, like in the main show, we can do that over the course of 15, 20 episodes, whereas in a Let's Play, we're trying to do it in the course of three or four hours. Yeah. 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 I mean, I when we're doing a, a shorter thing, like a one shot or something close to it, I am definitely... I'm not as attached to the character yet, and I know that it's going to conclude, and so I will take bigger swings and stuff. Mm. Like, that was definitely a difference here, which I think aided the gameplay the second time around. Mm. Because now, it's me, and it's my long-held character, and I don't want to die. Yeah. And, like, that aids the tension. Whereas the first time, I could do some more, like, reckless, big hero type of stuff, and I wasn't afraid to do that as a player because we were this was going to end and i knew that going in what did the characters feel going from magic based skill set to a sci-fi based skill set not much for me mine was a very minimal shift i do guns i'm hard to hurt that that was pretty much just shifting why those things were true i think it was definitely a big shift for megan i mean this is not the first time that this has happened either i think going into urban shadows and completely losing all abilities was really intense for her to just kind of be that more mundane character and like leading the red line and then getting to come back into monster of the week and getting those empathic abilities back and then going into space and not having that at all like had a cool weapon and i could mess with some tech stuff but nothing magical um i think every time she comes back through into monster of the week it's kind of like finally being able to like take a breath of fresh air again uh yeah um let me tell you, Kim has never missed being able to tell the future more than she did 
in these horrifying situations. Like how how scary to just not know what was ahead of us in every beat. Um which, you know, very much leaned into that genre. I don't think it would have been as effective if we had been able, you know, if I had like seen if, if I had been able to have visions of, you know, the silver monster or Dion transforming into a scorpion or all of the clones, um, it was fun to be in the dark about that sort of thing. But it definitely made me miss uh, being able to have visions. Sure. Yeah. Like, just imagine being someone in a world where the entirety of your life, you have premonitions. Like, yeah. you always know what's coming. And then you yeah. go someplace new and it's like... It's, nope. it's just gone. That television screen in your head is gone. Yeah. It's like that That would be unreal. That yeah. would be unfathomable. Um, yeah. I think uh, Jake, the character, kind of liked going from a magic-based to a science-based thing. Uh, and I think the reason being that Jake, the character, still doesn't... I mean, even though he's good at magic and is well, relatively practiced at magic, still doesn't totally like get it. Like, There's a lot of just like, if I take the time, I can puzzle this out. But this is... I didn't grow up learning this in a class every year in school so i think that like going into a science world even though it's like yeah there's a lot of this i don't understand but i've known the building blocks of the shit in this world my whole life like science is science and it's a thing i've been taught since i was a child and i think there was probably a level of comfort in that yeah i don't know what i'm doing as well but i get the why and the how and stuff that i frequently don't get in my own day-to-day life in my own world so i think there's like a okay well at least this, at least this I can follow. And now I'm going to go back and I'm going to do magic where again, I'm just like, I'd fucking, I don't know. Like I'm going to throw some spaghetti at the wall. And a lot of the times <laughs> it turns into a fireball and that's great, but boy, I don't get it. It's very apropos that stress is a game mechanic in Starhold. Players, what, if anything, did you do to cope with a game this deadly, especially in the final arc? Man, I, I chase this. Like this is why I play Dead by Daylight and stuff. That kind of tension is like a drug to me like I I love that so I didn't have to cope this was awesome (laughs) I was a bit worried about it initially because I'm I'm someone who I find it a little difficult especially in coin where I'm playing myself I can find it hard to kind of like leave my character at the door so to speak like sometimes I find it I find instances where I take aspects of the situation that we've role played home with me uh, or, you know, into the next room because I'm sitting here in my home recording in my closet. Um, Rev even like sort of mentioned as like a disclaimer before we even started the season, like, hey, you know, just so you know, this arc is going to have a different tone than the other ones that we're going to be doing. It might be a little darker, it might be a little more stressful. And I was really worried that that the stress was going to get not fun for me and it never did and I think one of the things that helped was just that we laughed a ton while recording this and we joked around a bunch and a lot of that didn't necessarily make it into the edit of the show because it wasn't appropriate for the tension that you were trying to build Rev but it still happened around the table and it happened in the moment and that sort of helped me take the edge off so to speak. Yeah like us sitting here playing this game for 90 minutes and then it turning into a 40-minute episode, you know, I said earlier that tension can't just build and build and build. There's got to be a release for it to continue to build. You know, it's the same thing with us playing around the table, and I think that we had to let some steam off of it more often than what the listeners heard 
because we were in it for longer than they heard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it just kind of hit randomly, like the amount of stress that I felt in certain situations, like, you know, when when there's a timer or when there seems to be a situation that I just don't see a way out of that causes a lot of like anxiety to kind of spike. And I just kind of lean into that and let that inform like how my character's feeling because it feels authentic. It feels like if I'm feeling this now at the table, thinking about being in this situation, that's probably what Coin Megan is feeling. Mm. And kind of letting that come through a little bit in the character before I sit back in my chair and like take a deep breath or, you know, Rev will be like, all right, well, look at it this way. Or like, let me, let me kind of rephrase this to give you a, a maybe a different perspective on the situation. Yeah, I think that this game, more so than a lot of the other games that we've played, really reminded me that the GM on some level is the facilitator in addition to helping tell the story around because there would be moments where, you know, someone would say, and I think we had one of these moments with everybody where they're like, uh, I don't know, I I guess I do this. And I'd be like, you know, there's a move that would trigger if you're doing this, do you want to, like, do you want to roll that move so you can kind of get a sense of this situation? Oh yeah, totally. And you could always tell that it was just someone was in the moment and they weren't, of course, they didn't have the mechanics of the game in their head. That's my job. And so that was really interesting to see, like, people get into the story so much that I would have to be like, no, it's it's fine. You know, here's this move. You can roll this, and that'll give you, the player, a chance to breathe and the character a moment to observe what's going on around. You know what it's kind of like? It's like when we play Phasmophobia on stream, and the ghost, like, is actually chasing me, and I panic and like button drop, your flashlight. drop my flashlight and drop everything <laughs> and I can't see but I just that's my instinct is to just throw everything at the ghost yes. and then die <laughs> <laughs> what is going to happen to Arky and Mari well tune in next time no um I, th- I think that they um spinoff again yeah, this is our spinoff let me introduce you to the cast of Arky and Ma he's like um, it's me and me <laughs> Jesus. Oh, never mind um I think that they go with the striders and because of her skill set i think she works for them i think she ends up getting a job with the striders and arky becomes a, a pro gamer uh he's a pro streamer nice and um he follow uh, him on twitch yeah follow him on twitch at <laughs> j <J-game-Z. laughs> <laughs> what well, we had a we had his name and i totally forgot what it was oh, he told I, you his gamer tag yeah it was architect architect oh That's yeah right, Game <laughs> underscore Z at Twitch slash TV. Um, but yeah, I think that everyone set it up in a way where um, they are are out of the way of any ramifications from Nash and that group um, and out of the constant struggle of a well-paying job. Nice. Can you please, please, please make a graphic about who was who when and from what period of time people had knowledge of what? Like, what <laughs> version of people knew about the different rooms and mechanics? No. Yeah, no. my God. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's, I that's kind of would y'all. like to do that, honestly. Yeah. That would be like a fun, I, I don't know how we would ever do this, but that would be like a fun couple of Twitch streams to go through this episode, maybe even just like with the Patreon and like 
make a Charlie board of okay, here's here's this person. Here's where here's where go? this split happened. Yeah. So now we're following task mm. B. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't imagine how many different names we would have for the like original versions of us because we it'd be like all right. So then task prime, a well, classic task. Is that the same as task prime? Task <laughs> classic. Uh, when did the original cloning happen? When were the clones created? When was the genetic material collected? I mean, I I. In my head, once the material was collected, the clone was begun. Yeah. Like, kind of right then. Is that not the case? I mean, they all kind of started cooking at the same time. <laughs> just oh, so they'd all be done at the same time. Unless, of course. Does anybody think that they would take longer to cook than someone else? I mean, just in terms of, like, amount of mass, it mm. seems like there would have to be a slight difference. Uh, I'd have gotta, to take longer. <laughs> like a 3D printer? we got to put Jake in at 300 for two hours. Yeah. but It depends on how, how well done they're going to be, That's I guess. True. I'm still a little doughy. Oh, Jake is well done. <laughs> That's right. I don't fully understand the implication, but I understand that there was one based on the head movement. (laughs) Based on the eyebrow waggle. Um, Well, when when did our genetic information get taken? Like Megan very specifically had to give hers up. I assume Tass gave his up when he was in that little uh, like sack. Uh, Yeah, correct. Uh, (laughs) Um, I I I can't remember Jake or myself. Off the top of my head, it was all. What I do know is I marked them all off. Um, as we went through that first story arc, I had all of your names written down, and I just put a little check by them once something had happened where I could justify that the Alkali Corporation had your genetic material. I would have to go back and look. I don't remember Jake and Kim's off the top of my head because they weren't as obvious yes. moments. <laughs> Was yeah. Kim's when Dion grabbed her? Oh, yes. Oh yes. yeah, he did. He he did like stab me real yeah. good or grab yeah, yeah. me or something. He, he did a he, you oh, he rib cage. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And Jake's was when he um, pushed the button on the sandwich vending machine. <laughs> 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 he just he just left his DNA behind there. All all of my saliva from drooling all over everything <laughs> as I ate all these little <laughs> muck sandwiches. Oh, muck sandwich. Why was there only one Carrington clone, but multiples of the others? Uh, there so- was there was only one of Megan and Kim as yeah, well. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought it was the same. Yeah, so there was... Half of me started making many, many, many clones of herself. Well, well that's true, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, were, there was only one whole original Carrington, Megan, and Kim. Um, and that was because, uh, as I kind of mentioned before, that uh, these rooms were... Well, whoever comes in first, that's who it's going to continue to clone. Yeah. Um, and so it turned out to be um, Tass and Jake, but it really could have been anybody. It just depends on who was alone um, first in that hallway and then second uh, once the opportunity came up um, after that hard move. So, yeah, um, I, I, I kind of said this a little bit earlier, I think, but just the mechanics of the cloning machine, it constantly sensed if the clone was still alive. If it was not, it spat out a new one. So... You can live with that knowledge how you will, knowing that you left that space station intact. Oh, God. But venting into space. Yeah, don't worry. There's a room that if they happen to wander in there, they're gone. Oh, no. It's the whole... You guys... (laughs) Nothing was, like, vacuum sealed. (laughs) Just everywhere in there, it's just... Open to the void. So now I'm just going to imagine that Nash is going to come back and just see like an asteroid belt (laughs) of just ice cubes of of all of us. (laughs) Oh no! Just just Jake and Tass constantly turning into puddles as they hit the barrier at the end of. Oh, it's gonna be like, I don't remember putting up a visible field around this. What? <laughs> Why is there a moat on my space station? <laughs> Nash is like, my goodness, I wonder who could have foiled my plans. Up oh, there, they are. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, and there they went. <laughs> oh, oh, here they come again. Oh, what is going? Am I in Groundhog's Day? <laughs> <laughs> this looks just like Groundhog's Day. <laughs> is there an underground network of automated tunnels to move clones into position, or were they created on the spot? They were created on the spot. Uh, mm. Yeah, so there was a... Jake actually guessed this uh, off mic, uh, but there was a cloning machine directly above uh, that solo tunnel that just slurped one out, as I believe you said. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, they uh, the clones were not being moved around. They were always created in the same room. What was the range of the clones? I, I don't know how to... It was the... Like, how far could they throw? <laughs> <laughs> what were their dramatic acting skills? Um... <laughs> So, yeah, the clones could Broad. only go as far as the field being put off by the base, which was the same field that scanned your mind to then give information to the clones to give them their their brain update. Can you explain the mechanics of stress again? I could. Or you could go to the website. Oh, silky smooth. Right? And get Ooh, your own segue. free copy of Starhold. It explains it all in there. Yeah. It is in the episode notes. If you would like to head over there, it is free. You can donate if you want, uh, and you can read about stress, all the playbooks and their variants. You can find all of that at starholdrpg.com. Play it. I do can't it. recommend it's it so enough. It's so good. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, do yeah, it. yeah. It's, it, it's available at pay what you can, so like there's, there's no excuse not to yeah. get it. Yeah. Get it. And so we will not answer that final question because sometimes we want to give you something. Homework. <laughs> Enjoy your episode homework, nerds. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. A free <laughs> RPG to answer your question. We'll see you next week. I open my eyes, and the small huddle is just sort of like... Oh. Just like on my legs. <laughs> oh, I found an opportunity. Like a, like a parrot fish. Just... Oh. <laughs> All right, so that does get you up to a seven. So Carrington looks at you for a moment, Kim, then to Tass, looks to the, I almost said the shape of Jake. <laughs> While you were all helping each other, he died. But that guy was calling these things immortals? I mean, Jake, you definitely killed one of them at the vault. Well, it's just good branding. Yeah, and also it was a baby, so... I'll rephrase that. Yeah, and it had just yeah. Hatched. Do you guys remember when Jake killed that baby? <laughs> oh, fuck. Do you? Do we all remember that? Uh, it was supposed to be immortal, <laughs> not not the hands of Jake. <laughs> no baby is safe. <laughs> damn. Oh bless oh, you. Damn it. That looked painful. Oh fuck my neck. Oh, oh. that sounded forceful. I had banged so much last night. And just now. And now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then a fire won't burn my home down. Nice. Hey, what's your gamer tag? Arcanine. Arcanine. <laughs> <laughs> you spiral it around, come out into the hallway with the four-way intersection, and there's a Jake there. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> just send him back my way. You just... You guys come back and there's four me's and we're all, it's like we're working on a railroad. Like there's one <laughs> spike and we're all just swinging sledgehammers on this spike one after another singing together. 
Um, so is all of Megington aggressive? Because Megington was pretty chill, but with the addition of Tass, is it no longer? Yeah. Carrington's ability to kind of mentally dominate does not seem to be there any longer since the two previous half-brains had kind of melded. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, quiet half-brain. <laughs> you think that if you could hit Jake with his gamma gun before it infects him, that would probably be the best way to get it off of him. Hit Jake himself? Yes. Okay. Dose him with radiation. Yeah, turn him into the Hulk, and then he'll just fucking <laughs> kick this thing's ass. Yeah. Because, I mean, yes, ideally hit the creature, but in Pathfinder lingo, they're grappled. <laughs> right. I mean, the monstrous playbook is back up for grabs again, so <laughs> snag that on your way back through this mystery. <laughs> I'll be taking no limits again, and <laughs> I am the Hulk. <laughs> Terminator 2 Hulk. <laughs> just forming it into different shapes. I love this it. Incredible. I just had the art redone, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is easy. All you got to do is create a layer mask over me and make That's it chrome. So Slap a green filter over him. As you do, Riley opens fire, and some dense holes are punched into this metallic flesh, making a little bit of a tunnel. Tass, what are you doing? I'm gonna huck this thing into the hole that he just made. Give me an act under fire. Okay. God. Like Mosquito Dan, just ting, ting, ting. <laughs> back into the it just room. Just rolls back to us. Ooh, just to Riley's feet. We can't all be oh, the monstrous. <laughs> Riley's like, it's okay, I was a murderer in this world too. You just didn't know. <laughs> This time, I just really got away with it in a major way. What happened here? You run your hand over this door, examining the scorch marks on it, and it's pretty clear that something has closed this door and welded it shut. But at the bottom, you can see that the door has been pulled back a little bit out of its track, the metal bent, leaving about maybe a four-inch triangular section where there's space to get underneath. Whoa, are you seeing this? What's strong enough to pull this back but small enough to get through there? Mighty Mouse. Oh, shit. Fuck. We don't stand a chance. Let's get out of here. Retreat. You remember that scene in Endgame where Captain Marvel just flies through the ship a number of times? Mighty Mouse starts doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Task, this room looks familiar. There is the bed, the window that looks out with the storm coming down on top of it, and the small bookshelf. Hey, I saw a glimpse of this for a moment. Are you peeking in my stuff? No, oh, no, no. I, I heard you've been inspecting my dumps. <laughs> Chiller. Chiller. It needs to be much more chill. More, more laid back. More of a vibe. I'm drinking boba. I don't know how much more chill I can get, Jacob. boba and wearing a knit cap. I can't get any chill. I got my Spinelli hat on and I got my boba in my hand. I'm so chill right now. I mean, this this place is like a tower, right? Is there a way for us to go up? There's not. It is. It just goes up and up and up. It's just a big glass, just decorative. Tower. Yeah, Ooh, just okay. a big decorative glass phallus. He wasn't even here for, for that hanger, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and grass growing all around the base. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, because <laughs> I don't picture things in three dimension when I draw them. <laughs> um. Ooh. Hold on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whack it. 
Just yeah. sit in the corner and whack it yeah. <laughs> until you feel better about the situation. You heal one that stress. That always helps me think more clearly. I'll use Please I'll turn. use the move, take a moment, then I'll use the move, whack it. I'm going to have to ask you to turn around. Well, no, because you, you heal more stress if other people participate. So it's oh, actually better for me if you watch. This is perfect. Yeah. Everyone gather around. <laughs> I brought you here today for a very important <laughs> Yes. I've just not been feeling great. <laughs> I just... I just need you to see this. I I get a plus one to my hand stat. I get (laughs) plus one to group. Plus one to To group. Yeah, plus one to head. Plus one to attack. (laughs) Don't. I don't want any part of this, so I'm going to use my once per crisis move that gets me out of a sticky situation. (laughs) This just seems like a terrible idea, but I I guess I have to shoot Jake. (laughs) (laughs) With your with your bow gun? That yeah. I mean, unless I'm going to go up and beat this thing with a wrench, but then it's just going to attack me right back, and I don't I don't want to hit Jake with a with a crossbow bolt. So I guess I'm gonna aim for okay this does area of effect (laughs) but i don't want that area to just be jake so is there a way that i can shoot but like aim one of these to hit jake when you say you want to shoot jake yeah dead (laughs) right through the heart what did he do to you before we started not the creature on jake not the creature on jake (laughs) i want to avoid the creature at all costs yeah because no, we okay, like this thing life. is, it's its on Jake. It yeah. is covering his head. And uh, like, what? yeah, like like if we dropped some gack on him or he he's got been, slimed at, at an award. He won an been, award. Okay. He's been he slimed. He won an award. He's been yeah. Nickelodeon slimed. slimed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How much of his body is covered right now? Uh, right now, it's just kind of from the neck down to his wrists and like his lower back. Yeah, then I'm like, I'm trying to aim, like, I want to hit this thing. I have no idea if these are going to go through. So if they do, and they hit Jake, I'm hoping to aim for somewhere that's like his arm or somewhere that doesn't have organs that are going to be irreparably damaged because this thing is not connected to any of the threads anywhere else, correct? Correct. So yeah, there's I can't go up and peel this thing off of him like a fruit roll-up. I can't, I can't do anything with any of the melee weapons I have other than like throwing this EMP grenade right now. I don't see any other way to help him. Do you want to survey the scene? Yes. <laughs> As opposed to shooting him? Yeah, that's okay. like a way preferable option. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, you come back into this hallway, and after looking down a few of the halls, you see Jake standing stock still. There is a bear wrapped around his leg, just nuzzling it. And there is a cord hanging down from the ceiling that has wrapped around his neck. Yikes. Shut the door. <laughs> so, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Looks very intimate. <laughs> I, I just started to go, get out! God, it makes Why me is your that. belt undone? How many times have I told you to knock first? The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow.
the Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hi, folks. Let me see if I can sum up Midnight Burger in about 25 seconds. Really, big monster? Zero irony. Pardon me, Gloria. Might my husband and I have a word? The radio is talking to me. So this is how it ends. Eaten by wolves in space. There's a pocket dimension in the deep freeze. This is the stupidest dystopia we've ever been to. What the hell is that? Because you're having a cigarette in 415 million BC. Where are we? Space. Can you narrow that down? The bad part? Ava. Yeah, that didn't work at all. At the nexus of all things, there is a diner. Look for Midnight Burger on your favorite podcasting app or just go to weopenat6.com. Dot com.